Welcome in everyone and thank you for listening to the third ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio here in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great because football season is so close. I can literally taste it. Tastes good. And I was playing some NCAA football on my Xbox 360 this past week. Uh, Shout out to that game because it's amazing. And I break it out every year right before football season starts uh, just to really get me in the mood. Were you playing some uh, some dynasty mode, winning national championships? Oh yeah, I got to get all the best recruits, and then I did the little superstar mode where I was trying to win a national championship as a running back, you know. But it's kind of frustrating because you can only do so much, you know. You're just a running back, and you can't play defense, and you can't be the quarterback, and you can't call the plays. So true. I usually go with uh, selecting a really bad team, like from the worst conference, mm-hmm. as the offensive coordinator. And then I see how many seasons it takes me to win a national championship with any school because they'll offer you better jobs and stuff like that. But uh, when I play as a quarterback, the most frustrating thing is when you hand the ball off and you just like won't go through the hole, won't go around <laughs> the end. Horrible offensive line. Yes. Terrible running lanes. Yeah. Wrong running lanes. CPU decision making is not the best sometimes. I absolutely agree. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um I am really excited for this show today. We're going to really be taking a, an in-depth look at the roster, the football roster, since it's almost time for that first game. And we're going to go position by position, and we're going to break down the individual players, talk about what we expect from them, uh, what they contributed last year. And then uh, before we do that, we have a few news items to jump into. Um, just a couple things here for us, Kyle. First, EJ Liddell trimmed his list. We were waiting on that. It didn't happen before our last show, but he, he did it when he got back from the skill, Nike Skills Academy. The final five that he includes are Mizzou, Ohio State, Kansas State, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Yeah, we were pretty close on our uh, predictions for his top five. Um, I thought he might throw Duke in there because I know that they were watching him, but I don't think he has an offer from them or anything. And I was a little surprised to see Wisconsin in there. I thought that might have come out of the blue a little bit. But other than that, I would say it was pretty much exactly what we expected. Yeah, he actually tweeted right before then about like potentially adding a sixth team, mm-hmm. but then they changed their mind. That yeah, sixth he went, team wasn't included. Yeah, he even said like after talking with my parents mm-hmm. or something like that, we decided to just keep it at a, fi- a top five. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. interesting. Another interesting thing about that was uh, Marcus Washington, the highly sought after wide receiver recruit, tweeted uh, basically something to the extent of only one of these teams matter. So I think it's pretty clever because obviously Missouri and Ohio State are the the main uh, options for him at this point. So that leaves everybody wondering, is he talking about Missouri or is he talking about Ohio State? Maybe he doesn't even know. Yeah, maybe EJ wants to do a... Uh Forget Mario McKinney. He's going to do a package deal with Marcus Washington. Yeah, sounds (laughs) great. Um, Another basketball-related item, Caleb Love is reportedly going on an unofficial visit to Louisville. This is just further evidence that he's going to be one of the toughest gets for Conzo Martin for the 2020 class. Another recruit that we've been following is Malik Hall, and he announced that he's going to be trimming his list this weekend to a final five schools. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think Missouri's going to make the cut. If if I had to pick a five, it would be something like Kansas, Oregon, Purdue, Michigan State, and Louisville. 
possibly Oklahoma in that last spot. Um, seems like Purdue and Michigan State have really put the pressure on to, to land him. I also want to give a shout out to a Kansas City Star article. I'm going to butcher the writer's name. It's Vehi Gregorian. Wrote a nice article about Conzo Martin. Um, Kyle, just more of the same awesome stuff we've been hearing. Uh, it's nice to just keep reaffirming mm-hmm. that decision over and over again. Yeah, Conzo Martin, once again, incredible transition from the beginnings to where he is now and just super tough guy everything he's been through uh so pretty awesome article but uh, nothing that's too surprising yeah it kind of touched on those uh, free basketball camps that he's been putting on with the players with the mizzou players in kansas city and st louis and i know i i'm confident that he's just doing it out of the goodness of his heart but at the same time it doesn't hurt to get the get the brand out there and get kids excited about mizzou basketball uh something that we that will excite the nerds like us that uh are into mizzou equipment And a Twitter account that I don't even know if it's affiliated with the university, but it's at Mizzou EQ. Their name is Missouri or Mizzou Equipment. They tweeted a potential new helmet design. If you're listening to this, you probably already saw that. It's a white helmet with the black oval tiger head. Is that something you'd want to see next year? Yeah, I thought it looked really cool. I I love the uniforms. Um, I kind of love seeing what they do week to week. And I know some people could honestly they couldn't care less what uniforms they wear but i i think it's really cool and i think mizzou has uh, has good uniforms but i remember i think the 2015 season when they played byu they did the all white uniforms i thought that was sick so i'd love to see the um the white helmet that that was, yeah, surfaced. That was like a, a white helmet with the metal big metallic silver mm-hmm. tiger head yeah it looked awesome mm-hmm. yeah i i'm typically a fan of whatever they do they've got an awesome partnership with nike and the stuff they've been putting out is really great some people don't like some of the stuff i don't really get mm-hmm. it i think it's it's i think it's some flashy enough but it just i don't know it's i unique, think some but. of the older fans miss the the big block M, which I don't fault them for that. It was pretty sick, but yeah, I also like the new uniforms they've got too. Right. If it's, if it's black and gold, I'm usually on board. And then some bad news heading into football season, Rashad Floyd. He, uh, just today actually broke a bone and it was just reported today. He broke a bone in his leg and he's expected to be out four to six weeks. And I feel like not even counting the wide receivers, this impacts us most in the return game. Yeah, I definitely think that he was kind of the front runner to lead the charge in the the return game. Definitely punt, um, and I think it, he was just reported today making like an All American list, like second team mm-hmm. as a as a return guy. So uh, it's really unfortunate because I think that he you know kind of broke out last year and had a really successful year returning, and I think he was going to take the next step this year. But we'll get him back, um, I guess September October. And yeah, I was kind of looking at the calendar, and it kind of lines up with like the second SEC game or so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully he gets back physically, obviously, but but mentally as well. And mm-hmm. I know that that can take much longer than the physical return. So hopefully he's good and back a hundred percent, both physically and mentally. Um, you know, before the midpoint of the season. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, just a short news segment there. So um, we'll get into the topic of the show, which is breaking down the players of the football team. We're going to go position by position, starting with probably the easiest position to break down the quarterbacks. Um, start off with Drew Locke. He'll be a senior this year, threw for almost 4,000 yards last year. That was uh, his actual total. 3,964 was the third most in a single season in Mizzou history. 
His 44 touchdown passes were a Mizzou single-season record as well as an SEC conference single-season record. And then he also set the record for the highest single-season passing efficiency uh, in the history of Missouri with a 165.7, which beat Chase Daniel, which that may not be something that a lot of people know because you think about his low completion percentage, but he was he was very efficient last year, part impartial, partially because of those deep balls he was throwing. I think really the main thing we're going to want to watch here with Drew this year is uh, just kind of the, the style of play that they that they uh, you know take this year. I know that you know Josh Heupel's gone, Derek Dooley's here now. Uh, we don't know what kind of plays they're going to be running. Uh, I don't think they're going to be as fast paced and aggressive as they were last year. I don't think he's going to be throwing the deep ball, you know, every third pass to. I also wouldn't expect as many just like immediate throws to the sideline for those quick hitters. Right. I think they're going to switch things up a little bit more, maybe uh, do some different formations, maybe uh, have them start under center and and stuff like that. But I I think you're going to see Drew Locke uh, play a style that maybe caters to us winning games maybe more than just putting up video game like stats. I think he's still gonna you know show off that that long ball that he can throw and because obviously he's got a cannon but I think they're gonna you know try to do some shorter and intermediate passes with Drew just to show that he can you know put some touch on the ball and and be a little more um well-rounded they worked in some more throws over the middle especially to the tight ends uh like halfway through last season Mm -hmm. I think that worked really well I'd like to see more of that I remember um like the 2013 season when that offense was firing on all cylinders you saw a lot of just like quick slants to dgb that he would just catch and run that could be something that they implement more seems like the last couple years you just haven't seen him thrown over the over the middle very much Mm -hmm. yeah i always wondered about that in past season like in 2015 when i that year our offense was absolutely awful but it seemed like we never threw over the middle of the field everything Mm -hmm. was to the sidelines right kind of those quick passes and you know that Make you that would uh, go like two yards. Make you hold your breath because yeah, it could be a exactly. pick six. Yeah, yeah. So I think we'll see Drew Lock switch it up a little bit, and um, I think so far we've heard that the, that the offensive guys really like the call, the play calling that Derek Dooley has. I think it's just going to be a more well-rounded approach, and and if we can um, run the ball efficiently and, and have Drew Lock throw some of those short, shorter to intermediate passes, I think it'll open up the the uh, long ball as well. So I think it'll be there. Yeah, I think the big question that everybody has is we know that he's going to put up good numbers. Um, he's His stats will be in the record books forever. He'll be legendary when it comes to his statistics at Missouri. But to be a true Mizzou legend, I feel like he has to step it up just by winning games. Yep. Winning a, winning a major bowl game, I mm-hmm. think, would solidify him as, as one of the best of all time in, in anybody's mind. Yeah, I think that's really the only thing he can do at this point is just win games. And I think if he really, really wants to, you know, cement himself as one of those, you know, top one or two guys that we've seen, I think he's going to have to pull off a game against Georgia or Alabama this year. I think if he if he can do that, I think he can really make his mark on on Mizzou history. Okay, so I've got a question for you right now, as it stands, he's third all time career passing yards in the history of Missouri behind Brad Smith and Chase Daniel. He needs 104 yards to pass Smith for second place. He needs 3,820 yards to pass Chase Daniel. So will he or won't he get 3,820 yards and become the career passing leader for Missouri? I want to say yes, but I'm going to say no 
because last year he had a little over 3,900 yards. And like we said, he was chucking them long, like every single pass. And, and, you know, and we just talked about it, but he, I just don't see him doing that as much this year. I think they're, they're going to care a little bit less about the, the stats and, and just try to have a more well-rounded offense. So, so I don't see him, you know, having as many passing yards. So I, I think that he'll fall a couple hundred yards short. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think another part that will come into that is just, we expect the defense to be better and we we expect some of these teams to be put away earlier mm-hmm. than they were last year. Um, so you might see Drew only playing a half mm-hmm. or you know three quarters maximum in some of these games, and that would that would cause him to you know dip down a little bit towards thirty five hundred thirty six hundred yards. Yeah, that's a good point, and I also think that the speed uh, at which the offense was going last year is, is going to slow down tremendously this year, which I think will also play a pretty, a pretty big role. I think that they're just going to run less plays overall than they did last year. Yep. So if Drew Locke's only playing three quarters in some of these games, that means the next guy here, Lindsey Scott Jr., is going to be playing some of that. Um, he's a redshirt sophomore, so he's got two years of or three years of eligibility left. Um, he was a high school All-American. He sat out or redshirted a year at LSU and then uh, transferred to a junior college, East Mississippi Community College, where he uh, won the JUCO National Championship. And his, uh, basically his journey so far is he put up ridiculous numbers in high school. Um, I saw where he had 61 total touchdowns his senior in high school and then kind of changed his play style a little bit to just be an efficient guy at East Mississippi because they didn't really need him to be putting up crazy numbers. They had a great team uh, when he was there. So we don't really know what to expect from him. He played played not very well in the spring game, but he's listed as the co-backup along with Jack Lowry. So it'll be, I hope that he gets plenty of reps in low pressure situations to show what he can do. Yeah, I think uh, obviously Lindsey Scott Jr. has had a phenomenal career career, um, in high school and at the community college that he went to. Um, He seems like a like a proven winner. Um, But, you know, this is this is the SEC and this is, you know, high division one football. And yeah, like you said, he, he struggled a lot in the spring game. Like he really, really struggled. And I know that, you know, he was hadn't been at Missouri for very long. So we'll we'll give him a break there. But um, we don't really know what to expect from any of these guys behind Drew Locke, to be completely honest, you know, and it makes you a little bit nervous for, for next year. But, you know, for now, we're worried about this year. If Drew Locke goes down, all bets are off for this whole entire season. Right. Yeah. The other guy that's going to be splitting uh, backup duties, at least according to the first depth chart with um, Lindsey Scott is Jack Lowry. He backed up Locke last year, saw some action against Missouri State and UConn, um, didn't was never really asked to do much. Um, he looks capable as a backup, um, kind of in the same situation as as Lindsey Scott, except that he's not transferring from LSU. He's transferring from a, a small school out west. So he's a, a redshirt junior. I, I guess I would expect him to be competing next year for the starting job, but you'd think if uh, all things are equal, you'd give it to the younger guy to see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, same thing. We just don't know much about Jack Lowry. Um, He's played well in spring games. You know, he's done some things in scrimmages, but ultimately he hasn't played a single snap And when it really matters. And when the defense is really coming after you and the, and the coaches are scheming against you, we just don't, we don't right. know. Yeah. Um, third guy on the list here, Michael Wilson. He played in five games last year, got a rushing touchdown. 
Um, he'll be a redshirt sophomore, so he'll be in the mix definitely for years to come if he sticks it out with Missouri. Um, definitely by far the most dual threat guy here. So they actually talked about him working out with the receivers some uh, in the off season. I don't think that'll really lead to anything, but it just goes to show what kind of athlete he is. Yeah, I think Michael Wilson's actually going to surprise some people because um, I, th- I think he's going to end up being uh, Drew Locke's backup by the time the season starts. I know Lindsey Scott Jr. and Jack Lowry were listed as, as two and three on the depth chart, but I think, you know, from things that the coaches have said the last few weeks and in camp, I think Micah Wilson has has proved that he can be, you know, more than just a one-dimensional player, and he can you know, he can be dangerous on the ground as well, and he's got some game experience, and I don't know why he wasn't in the top three on the first depth chart. Maybe it was just to, you know, send a message to him or whatever the case was. I don't know. But I think that he is gonna, he's going to be the number two guy going into the year. And I think that he's got the best shot at being our starter next year. I think, honestly, <laughs> this next guy, Taylor Powell, he's a redshirt freshman this year. He might be the most highly touted recruit of any of these backups. He was a top 20 quarterback recruit, according to ESPN. And uh, Missouri pulled him out of Arkansas. He was a big get at the time. So just another guy to add to that fight for uh, for next year. Yeah, he was originally committed to Wake Forest. And I think that, you know, Mizzou is kind of his dream school. And we were, you know, playing games with James Foster all year last year. And this whole time, you know, Taylor Powell sitting here kind of wishing that he was the guy. And, you know, so James Foster decommits and goes to wherever he went. And um, we offer Taylor Powell right at the last second. And he pulls the trigger, decommits from Wake Forest, and we get him pretty close to signing day. And I was pretty excited about Taylor Powell. Um, and, I, you know, I still am. I Yeah, like you said, he's a pretty a decently touted recruit and, you know, has, you know, some measurables and played really well in the spring game, had that big, long pass to Dominic um, Jacinto. So I, I would like to see him personally get some playing time, but I just don't think it's we're going to see it this year. Um, I think there's too many guys in front of him, and I just don't know if the staff has been crazy about about him this camp. Um, I think that they are, are partial to Micah Wilson and Lindsey Scott Jr. right now. All right, so uh, moving on to the running backs. We are losing Ish Witter, and believe it or not, kind of under the radar, but he finished his Mizzou career ninth all-time in rushing yards with 2,418. He put together an amazing senior year, especially considering the fact that uh, Crockett was down for most of it. But uh, Crockett coming back as a junior, um, only had 481 yards on 80 carries last year, got uh, to the end zone twice. He still averaged eight, uh, six yards per carry and had a 200-yard game against Missouri State. So that's partially a testament to the fact that we couldn't put them away early. But um, we still expect good things from him this year. Yeah, and like you mentioned, Ishwitter, it's it's going to you know hurt to lose him because he just did a lot of the little things, and he just seemed like a genuinely really good guy to have around, and everybody liked him. And, uh, Took some flack from the fans from time to time. but Yeah, yeah, yeah undeservedly. I think you know maybe a little, a little undersized and kind of got off to a slow start in his career maybe. I don't know, but um, there's just nothing you could dislike about Ishwitter by the time he was leaving Missouri. But... Um, but there are some guys on this roster that have a much higher ceiling than Ishwitter has. And I'm really, really excited to see them in full go, you know, 100% healthy and, and motivated. And it seems like 
Demaria Crockett and Larry Roundtree both are are just ready to go this year, and I'm really excited. Yeah, Crockett obviously suffered the injury last year against Georgia. Um, He was on pace for another good season. The way Larry Roundtree, we'll get to him in a sec, but the way he kind of broke out just speaks to kind of the two-headed monster that they're going to have this year. Um, I do have a question for you about Demaria Crockett, though. He just needs a thousand-yard season, and that would put him into the top ten all-time uh, career rushing list at Missouri. I tend to think that he will have some NFL looks at the end of the year, especially if he does have a thousand-yard season. Do you see him getting to a thousand yards this year and, and becoming a top ten Mizzou rusher? Um, I don't know. It's going to be close. I think if if he's healthy, then I'll say yes. I think he gets to a thousand yards, but we just have so many weapons on offense that, you know, he, he could not have a 1000 yard season and still be incredibly effective. And the offense could still be great. Um, you know, obviously there's a guy named Drew Locke that's, uh, you know, going to be throwing a lot of passes and, uh, Larry Roundtree is, you know, just as capable as Crockett is. So, you know, there's a lot of weapons around him that, that will help carry this team. And we, I just don't know that we need him to go out there and, and, you know, get, over a thousand yards this year right I'd be more concerned about his yards per carry than his total yards at the end of the year and I think if he is healthy and he doesn't get a thousand yard season it'll probably be because Larry Roundtree showed up and had you know an amazing season as well putting up big numbers on yards per carry and um, just basically like I said being a two-headed monster where it just doesn't give the defense a break I was uh, I watched a little video on YouTube that was an interview interview with um, the running backs coach over there, and he was talking about how Roundtree has more of a downhill style than Crockett, and Crockett will juke you a little bit more, make you miss. So I think, uh, and I and you see that in the games. I remember uh, that very first game against Missouri State when Crockett had that ridiculous like kind of sidestep. Sidesteps like five people in a row. Yeah, just kept doing it over and over <laughs> yeah. again. Uh, we don't see that as much out of Roundtree, but he's more the type to just run you over. I feel like either one of them can kind of do mm-hmm. both, though, and it's just, it just reminds me of maybe even a, a more dynamic, higher-ceiling version of, like, a Russell Hansborough, Marcus Murphy-type situation. Yeah, uh, yeah. the uh, interview with Cornell Ford was really interesting, and, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised almost at the way that he described those two guys' running style. You know, he described Crockett as kind of a finesse guy and I was like man Crockett's enormous he's just a bowling ball he's so (laughs) jacked and like I don't know I I I think Crockett will run people over and you know Roundtree will too but um so I found that like a little bit interesting that he described them in that way but it's gonna make for an exciting season like just with Drew Lockett quarterback these two guys in the backfield at any time I mean any play could be a touchdown yeah absolutely the guy that's kind of been tabbed as a third string guy is based on kind of the reports that I've been seeing is Isaiah Miller. Um, he's a redshirt freshman. There's a lot of young guys playing running back this year. Some of one or two may redshirt this year to kind of get some strength, build some muscle. Um, there's some young guys that are kind of small, but super fast. Um, Miller is more of a, a running back along the lines of the two starters. Um, just an all-around athlete fast but has some bulk where he can run you over too so he'll definitely get some playing time I mean Missouri has pretty much always used a third back at least every once in a while so it'll be interesting to see what we get from him yeah it's going to be really interesting to see what we get from him and it's going to be interesting to see how Missouri chooses to 
to who they go with after the first two guys because I think this is a race that you know has gone surprisingly well for the young guys you know uh, there's two, we've got two incoming freshmen and Tyler Beatty and the other guy, his name is very difficult. It's Simi and his last name's like Bakari or something like that. Yeah. I don't know, but we've heard really, really good things about Tyler Beatty coming out of fall camp. Um, incredibly high ceiling. He's super fast, super shifty. And right now I think that I would put him at third string. I think he's going to get a lot of playing time this year. I think Dawson Downing may actually even surprise yeah. people. Mm-hmm. I think he might actually be our fourth string guy right now with Miller being fifth. I don't even know. Yeah. You know, it seems crazy that Isaiah Miller would be our fifth right. string. So I think all these guys are going to see the field with hopefully Missouri blowing people out early and with the new redshirt rule where players are allowed to play four games and still be able to redshirt. So I think we'll see everybody, um, at least some, but. Hopefully yeah, a heavy you, dose of Crockett and Roundtree, though. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that redshirt rule because that will definitely come into play with the running backs because they're gonna the coaches are definitely going to want to see what they have with these guys before they mm-hmm. put somebody on the bench for the rest of the season. Yeah, but definitely remember that name, Tyler Beatty. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of him this year and hopefully a pretty big, pleasant surprise and uh, a good career, hopefully. Yeah. Um, easily the be- the biggest loss coming into this season on the offensive side of the ball is losing Jamon Moore. Um, kind of underrated as far as I can tell amongst Mizzou fans, but um, he's gone down as one of the all-time greats. I mean, he's fifth all-time in career receiving yards, seventh in career receptions, and uh, his junior and senior years were the eighth most and then the fourth most receiving yards in a single season in Mizzou history. So I, losing him is going to be a big deal. I, I, I don't think you can overstate his loss this year. Yeah, and he was uh, just a phenomenal player and you know at times maybe a little bit inconsistent but just crazy talented guy and um, I think he kind of opened up the lanes for Emmanuel Hall last year so it'll be interesting to see if Hall can you know still go out and be as productive or more productive without you know that other really really powerful wide receiver on the other side of the field but I think that we can still expect you know big things out of the wide receivers this year. Yeah, Emmanuel Hall coming into his senior season. He Last year, he was the ultimate deep threat. Um, he would just run as fast as he could, get behind the defense, and Drew Locke would throw it up to him. Um, he only had 33 receptions, but totaled 817 receiving yards and found the end zone eight times. So um, I'll do the math for you. That's 24.8 yards per catch, and that was second most in the nation. So we know he's fast. We know he can usually catch the ball at the the thing that I would most want to see him maybe try to take on a Jamon Moore trait is when, when Jamon Moore was covered, you'd just still throw it to him. If it was one-on-one, he wasn't really covered. Can I just don't really know if Emmanuel Hall will have that ability where there is a guy on him, but we're still going to throw it to him because he can make the catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he really struggled with the drops at times last year when he was doing things other than just running in a straight line. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can, you know, catch those tough contested, you know, passes and the ones where he has to go up and high point the ball. Can he, you know, outmuscle the defender? I think he can. I think he's he's really talented. And so and I think he's got, you know, the confidence on his side this year. He knows he's the guy. He knows he's the senior leader. And I think he's going to go in with a little bit different mindset this year where he knows that if he doesn't perform, then, you know, it might be a little interesting. So, um Hopefully, I I also hope that Drew Locke can kind of maybe take some of that pressure off him a little bit because 
Drew Locke kind of has to change his mindset because he's always had Jamon Moore as that safety blanket where if when in doubt, just throw it to Jamon and he'll probably come down with it, come down with the ball. I mean, there was times earlier in Locke's career where he would just snap the ball, stare at Jamon, hope he was open and then end up throwing it to him no matter what. So you can't really do that with Emmanuel Hall with, well, with really any of these receivers, but hopefully Drew Locke doesn't rely on one so heavily so that he doesn't feel that pressure. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and look at highlights from last year, if you kind of go game by game and watch some of those highlights, it's just amazing to me how many times they got away with with Hall just blissing down the field and just chucking it up to him and just being wide open. Yeah, I behind mean, the defense every time. You know, halfway through the season, everybody should have known this is coming multiple times a game and we're going to make it work mm-hmm. every time. You know, it just seemed like it worked so often and it was really pretty amazing how how proficient they were with that. Yeah. Nate Brown's the next guy. Uh, he's a redshirt senior. He's battled through injuries his entire time at Mizzou. They've set him back multiple times. Um, he was not going to be a redshirt guy, uh, but one of the injuries made him sit out the entire season. Um, I really hope that he can bounce back for a senior year that's impactful, and hopefully he can catch a lot of balls, hopefully find the end zone end zone a few times, take some of that pressure off Hall. He seems more like the kind of all-around receiver that that Moore was maybe he can embrace that yeah definitely um I think a really well-rounded guy maybe not as athletic as Jamon Moore Emmanuel Hall but you know seems like a super smart guy you know uh, he's gonna know the playbook really well and seems to have really sturdy hands and um I think he could definitely have a surprisingly good year this year and I remember coming out of high school kind of following along his recruiting um his senior season and recruiting and everything I remember I was I wanted him so bad and I was so excited whenever he committed to Mizzou so I still think he's capable of of really big things um, and he might catch some defenses by surprise this year yeah he'll definitely get the opportunity Uh, the guy at wide receiver receiver position that I'm most excited for I in my opinion is Jonathan Johnson I think uh, coming in as a junior he started every game last year in the slot uh, put up set over 700 yards receiving and six touchdowns and most of those were off of you know 65 yards or longer so um he was a deep threat just about as much as hall was except the ball traveled about 10 yards in the air and then he took it the rest of the way so just his sheer athleticism and the way he looks like a running back when he after he catches the ball that it just it's exciting every time he touches the ball yeah he's so explosive and really fun to watch so He's just a great combination to go with Emmanuel Hall. I know it's just the defenses have to be just so conscious of of them on every play because they could just be gone and drop of a hat. So right. yeah, it's it's great to have him and Emmanuel Hall together. Both both really exciting players. Yeah, for Hall, it's like don't let him get behind you. Um, for Johnson, I feel like you just have to say don't let him catch it. <laughs> if he gets the ball in his hands, you don't know what's going to happen next. Remember that first play against Missouri State? The, literally the first play of the season. He just catches like a little, you know, lateral pass almost. Mm-hmm. And then he just runs around the cornerback, just literally runs right past him. Yeah. And he's gone. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that's a pretty good start. And he even did that a few times in the SEC season with like legit mm-hmm. D1 athletes right. in the defensive secondary. And he'd, he'd catch the ball and you'd think, oh, it's a, that's an awesome 25-yard gain, and then oh, nobody tackled him. He just yep. ran past them all. And, the like, the punt returns, too. He had some of those, you know, in his career. So, yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, he actually might be returning punts more uh, than we would hope 
this season because the next guy on our list of wide receivers, Rashad Floyd, he's injured right now. So um, it was just announced. We talked about it in the news that he broke a bone in his leg. He really came on as a, a dynamic punt returner last year. He uh, was splitting time with Johnson doing that. Uh, Demetrius Mason re- returned some kicks at the very beginning of the year. But re- once Rashad Floyd kind of found a groove doing that, he had two return touchdowns. Like you said, he was, he's a preseason second-team All-American, according to CBS Sports this year as a punt returner. I think he was primed for a, a heavier role at, as a wide receiver, but I don't think anybody was going to be able to touch him as a punt returner. Yeah, I definitely think that the, how he was their first choice for definitely punt return at least. So it'll be kind of a bummer to, to miss out on that for the first half of the season or so. I know that's kind of been a big topic of discussion the last couple of days is, well, who's going to fill in now? So, you know, obviously Jonathan Johnson is, uh, you know, a pretty good candidate. I think Tyler Beatty, who we mentioned earlier, is, is a candidate. Jalen Knox is a mm-hmm. freshman wide receiver who I think we could see getting a look at that. So we, ha- I think there's several candidates who, you know, will fill in and, and we don't I think Odom even said this in an interview earlier today. You know, we don't need the home run every time. We just need somebody that's going to be consistent for us, you know, catch the ball and, and you know, just don't turn it over and, you know, give us, get us in a good field position to start the drive. Yeah, I think that's where Floyd set himself apart with Johnson. Is he, Floyd was automatic catching the ball on mm-hmm. returns. And yeah, Jonathan Johnson does scare me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know he's had some, some drop issues in the past on punt returns. I can actually remember one specific example where he dropped the punt and then just picks it up and then runs it for a touchdown. It's just like, okay, well, I didn't see that coming, but please catch the ball next time, you know, so we don't have a heart attack every single punt. Um, Some newcomers to the team this year. Um, I should should know how to pronounce this. Alex, help me out. Um, Ofodile. It's uh, Ofodile. Ofodile. Yes. Ofodile. Yes. Okay, I'll try to remember that. Um, he's a redshirt junior. He was formerly, if uh, anybody remembers, he was the number one recruit out of the state of Missouri from Rock Ridge High School. He spent three years at Oregon, redshirted that first year, and he really just didn't contribute anything statistically. I mean, less than five catches, I think. And so he still has two years of eligibility, even though he came in as a graduate transfer, which is kind of unique. Um, but I think he's going to challenge for reps from day one. And you kind of see that with the first depth chart that he's on there. And I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Yeah, obviously came out of a high school, huge recruit, uh, went to Oregon. I think he kind of just had some injuries that set him back. And he probably just had some freaks in front of him at Oregon. And they're always pulling out those just crazy athletic guys and stuff. So he's not the fastest you know, guy ever. I think he's probably pretty comparable to uh, like Nate Brown, kind of a possession guy, good hands, probably won't burn anybody, but you know, he's going to probably get those key third down, you know, third and eight kind of plays, you know, just those tough catches that, you know, kind of like a Damian Washington kind of did, you know, back in, in 13, where it just seemed like he was always coming up with those clutch tough catches that helped, you know, continue drives. Yeah, looking forward to that for sure. Uh, next guy on our list here, Dominic Jacinto. He's a freshman that kind of surprised everybody by being on the first depth chart ahead of uh, some other guys we might talk about. But uh, Missouri native from Raytown, he's known for his incredible speed. So following the trend of Emmanuel Hall and Jonathan Johnson, um, he had a really nice 65-yard touchdown in the uh, black and gold game this year. And uh, he's jumping in there as a, as a primary backup. 
I'm really excited about Jacinto. I'm, I'm really glad that we, you know, picked him up kind of at the end of the recruiting cycle. Um, yeah, you mentioned his speed. That's definitely, you know, a thing that stands out about him. But I just think he's, I think I maybe said this in, you know, a prior podcast, but he just kind of seems like those guy, one of those guys that's just mentally tough. Like he's just going to beat you mentally and he's just going to be ready to go at you every single rep. And I just really like that about him. I think he's going to have a, a really solid career at Mizzou. Yeah, we'll get to know early whether whether he's got what it takes or not. Um, there's a few guys that got left off the initial depth chart, but I think still have uh, the potential to contribute this year. Harry Ballard, uh, most people know about him. He's had a pretty noteworthy recruitment, had to go to the JUCO for a year. Um, so, but he's back on the roster and um, looking to take advantage of some time, some playing time, hopefully. And then uh, another guy that I've got here, you mentioned Jalen Knox, but another one that every year I keep hoping to see something from um, is Justin Smith, a 6'6 guy that honestly, when I watched his recruiting film, it reminded me of, of DGB. So mm-hmm. yeah, those three guys to me seem like they're lurking there, ready to contribute. Yeah, I think Harry Ballard, obviously just a huge question mark. I don't, I don't know what's going on with him off the field. I don't know if he's coming back to the team, but right now I don't know if we could really count on him uh, for production this season. Justin Smith, yeah, like you said, every single year I'm like, man, this guy's got to do something, right? He's like freaking DJB over here. DGB. What I say, DJB? <laughs> DGB, you know, he's like this huge guy, really lengthy. Um, yeah, I remember if – if I'm not dreaming here, I'm pretty sure Justin Smith and Jonathan Johnson committed to Mizzou on the same day. And I remember watching their films and just being like blown away by the speed of Jonathan Johnson and just like the size of Justin Smith. I was like, Oh my God, these guys are great. But yeah, just for some reason, Justin Smith has never really seemed to, you know, poke through and, and get much playing time. But and with, you know, kind of the emergence of some of these younger guys, I don't know if we're going to see Justin Smith at any point. Yeah. Um, so, Assuming Harry Ballard rejoins the team, he's ready to go. Um, do you think there's a pretty good battle there between him and uh, Knox for another primary backup spot? Yeah, I think uh, Ballard and Knox. There's two other guys, Cam Scott mm-hmm. and um, Kamari Thompson. Right. I think all four of those guys will play this year. Could sh- you know shed a red shirt? Um, but all of those guys are exciting and kind of bring something different to the table. And so it'd be really cool to see who who makes a, a dent in the offense. Yeah, it definitely seems like a good future there at the wide receiver spot. Probably the position outside of quarterback that people should worry about the least is the tight end position. Um, it almost makes some of what we just talked about with the wide receivers um, pointless because when Drew Lock gets in trouble, he's going to be looking to the tight ends a lot this year. And deser- deservedly so because... Um, the top guy on the list, Albert, Albert O, he is just going to be a redshirt sophomore and he led all tight ends in the nation last year with 11 touchdowns. And, um, with a last name like Okuebunam, you're going to remember when they call his name on the highlights mm-hmm. and in the, in the press box. So, um, everybody knows about him. The, the, def- the defense is going to know about him. They're going to scheme for him, but I still think he's going to beat him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice job on that pronunciation, <laughs> by the uh, pronunciation. That was, that was great. Uh, yeah, he's like what, like six five, six six, can run as fast as a lot of these wide receivers. He's just a refrigerator, like running down the field that can catch everything. He's just a absolutely phenomenal, you know, athlete. And if he wants to go to the NFL after this year, I'm sure he could. Um, Kendall Blanton will be 
probably the primary backup. He, it seemed like we saw him on the field a lot, but he actually only caught six passes last year. Um, one of those was a, an amazing touchdown grab against Florida, but it seems like they put him into the game a lot for run blocking. Um, that's been mentioned a couple times and some things I've seen that he really excels there. So I would look for him to be a bigger part of the passing game with uh, Jason Reese gone. Um, but the emergence of Alberto, I think it just kind of overshadowed anything else any other tight ends are going to do. But I think he'll still be a solid contributor. And um, if he can contribute by with good run blocking and opening up holes and sealing the end for, for the dynamic running backs, then that's good enough for me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that he's going to be a bigger part of the passing game this year. And yeah, I had I had no idea he only caught six passes last year. That really surprised me when I saw that. Um, because yeah, he kind of stood out with some of the passes he did catch were, I mean, the one that you mentioned against Florida was maybe one of my favorite plays of the entire season. Yeah. I mean, he just totally mossed that dude. Like <laughs> he was just crazy catch and like got his, you know, foot in bounds in the end zone. And yeah, I think Kendall's another guy who, you know, will have a pretty good chance to get drafted after this year. He's just great, you know, body. He's just huge and really athletic. And I know in a recent interview with uh, the tight ends coach, Joe John Finley, he mentioned Blanton being maybe the making the biggest transition or the biggest transformation, I should say, from, you know, his first year to his senior year as anyone he's ever seen, you know, just kind of came in, you know, not a lot of confidence and if, you know, they had to, you know, yell at him or, you know, get on to him about, some, you know, something, he would kind of put his head down and just kind of check out. But now he's, you know, the opposite and is super motivated and wants to get better every day. Yeah, I saw that that same interview you were talking about. He's kind of taken on more of a leadership role, a vocal leader, whereas Albert O is kind of quieter guy. And uh, so that's good to see. But you talked about this, the prototypical NFL tight end size that these guys have, and it continues right on down the list. I mean, Brendan Scales... Logan Christofferson, Messiah Swenson, these guys, every single one of them, we're talking at least 6'4", 245, and these are freshmen and sophomores. So obviously we know Swenson, we talked about him last week, he's going to redshirt this year after tearing his ACL, but these other two guys, Scales and Christofferson, they're going to be, they're going to be right there as just the ideal backup for the top two guys. Yeah, some one of those guys is going to have to get in the mix quite a bit this year with, with Swenson going down. Uh, we don't really know what either one of those guys can bring to the table, but I know, you know, Scales, it, really exciting flip from Alabama to Mizzou, you know, you know, right before signing day in like 2015 or 16, whenever that was. So, you know, obviously he's got some talent um, if he was originally, you know, committed to Alabama and Christofferson, you know, seems like he's going to give you everything he's got on every, you know, single play. So I think they like him a lot too. So yeah, I, it's a great group. It's a lot to like. I'm really excited to, to see how that group does. Yeah. I mean, just the, and the way they complement the receivers, like we said before, like I said, it's just, it's going to be special. Hopefully they can take full advantage on offense. Um, next up is the offensive line. They were basically five Ironmen last year. I think the main guys started all but four or five games. Um, Yasir Durant was the only one that started off as a backup and then worked his way into a starting role. But um, a stat that I found when doing a little research, they led the nation in fewest tackles for loss allowed. So I think I had heard that at some point that they were in the mix for that, but they pulled that off. And part of that has to do with um, Drew Locke, 
getting rid of the ball so fast and the running backs not going down the first time they're touched. But it also says a lot about this offensive line. I mean, you and it's balanced between seniors, juniors, sophomores. You got uh, starting out with the center, um, Tristan Colon Castillo. He is just a sophomore, played all 13 games last year. He looks like he's going to follow other Mizzou offensive linemen into the NFL eventually. Um, I literally have heard nothing but great things about him and just the way he sort of is the leader of the offensive line and they kind of go as he goes and all of last year he went really, really well. Yeah, and I, I don't know if we'll take an individual deep dive on all these guys, but as a, as a unit, these guys are so solid and they did such a great job last year. And I, like you mentioned, Castillo has been great stepping in in that role as a center and Kevin Pendleton has been you know a great vocal leader and Paul Adams too. So um, they seem like a really close-knit group and really passionate just about what they're doing and they practice hard. And, and it, you made a good point that you know they looked great last year statistically because – Drew Locke's getting rid of the ball so quickly because of the offense that Heupel's got him running and, you know, kind of had a great supporting cast around him with talented wide receivers and running backs, you know, kind of maybe padding those stats a little bit. But I, I do think that some of those statistics might not be as pretty this year because, the you know, some of the run plays might take a little bit longer to develop and stuff like that. But overall, I think this is still a really, really strong group and one of the better O-lines um, from left to right in the SEC yeah, definitely. And one thing that I've noticed in the last couple of years of watching Missouri football recruiting is the first couple of years in the SEC, it was obvious that, especially on the offensive line, there was a big difference between these other SEC teams and Missouri. And it's just, it's really good thinking about that now to see where we are with literally an NF or literally an NFL sized offensive line I mean they talked about last year how their average height and weight was bigger than the Kansas City Chiefs so that's a fun little nugget but (laughs) at the same time it's it's just goes to show you how the recruiting mindset has changed yeah and I don't know if you remember maybe 2015 but I we barely had enough offensive linemen to you know fill like a practice squad you know I don't even know if we had like 10 guys and you know Barry Odom made that a huge priority right off the bat went out got some big guys you know just a a different philosophy too from Gary Pinkle I think you know a lot of Pinkle's guys you know it worked you know effectively pretty well a lot of the times as well but you know he would kind of get those leaner guys you know like Justin Britt and um kind of beef them up and, you know, really slowly kind of work them into the rotation over time. But Barry Odom's just going out and getting those 325-pounders you know, right now yeah. and putting them right in the game if, if they need to be there. So definitely like a recruiting philosophy change on the O-line, and I think that it – I like it a lot. I, I think it's paid off, and, you know, it may not be the sexiest thing ever whenever we get an O-line commit or something like that, but – Man, if you don't have a good O line, just forget the whole season right. because it nothing works right. on the offense. And I think we saw that a few years ago, and it's just miserable. So those guys do a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, sticking with the big guys up front, uh, but we'll move over to the defensive side of the ball. We'll uh, talk about the defensive tackles a little bit. Obviously, led by Terry Beckner Jr. going into his senior year, everybody knows who he is. He started all thirteen games last year after only playing parts of his first two seasons. Even as an interior lineman, he picked up 11 tackles for loss and seven sacks. He's really known as an elite run stopper, but still gets to the quarterback every now and then. So um, he'll be taking control of that unit and hopefully putting up big numbers again this year. 
I love me some Terry Beckner Jr. for sure. He is he's awesome. Um, has really taken kind of a leadership role this year. I think he kind of came in as a, a quiet guy and, um, you know, maybe not quite the work ethic that he has now, but I think a lot of guys have, have mentioned that he's just like the turnaround he's he's made just as a person and a player are really just dramatic and really impressive. And I hope to God he can stay healthy this year because I just love to see him out there playing and um, he's going to probably go on to have a really, really strong NFL career as well. But um, yeah, you mentioned his ability to stop the run is is solid but i think his his ability to get to the quarterback even from an interior spot is what makes him um such a superior player right there's a lot of guys at his position that are good run stoppers but the fact that he can do both really sets him apart and the fact that he came back after definitely being able to be drafted in the nfl um it makes just pray even more that he can stay healthy and still have that awesome NFL career because him coming back when he announced that that was a highlight of the offseason for sure and it happened pretty quickly and it I feel like he was I didn't expect him to come back as much as I did um, Drew Locke so getting them both both of them back it was like I don't it was close to Christmas so it was a great Christmas present yeah and yeah I don't think that I expected him to come back either and but you know in retrospect kind of talking in some interviews he said that it really wasn't that tough of a decision for him I think he you know made some promises to people that he was going to graduate and get his degree and I think he just kind of bleeds black and gold and wants to uh, see what they can do this year because you know he knows how much you know on both sides of the ball they've got coming back so right um, the next three guys at defensive tackle, we got Walter Palmore, um, Jordan Elliott, and Rashad Brandon. I kind of want to spotlight Jordan Elliott. He's a guy we've talked about already several times on this podcast. He's in the news quite a bit. He was in the news last year just as a practice player um, sitting out because of NCAA transfer rules. Of course, he transferred from Texas, but last year all we were hearing was Jordan Elliott. He's, he's a monster. He's a beast. He's athletically a freak. So it'll be it'll be nice to quit hearing about him in the off season and in practice and hear him on game day, hear his name called. It'll be really exciting. Yeah. You know, he's, he's ready to play and they're, I think they're really working on its consistency. Um, I think some plays, you know, he'll, he'll be amazing. And, you know, some plays I think that uh, he may disappear. So I, I think they want, want to just make sure that he's, you know, going hard every play. And if he needs to come out, you know, I think that there's other guys behind him that will be able to fill that void for a few plays too. But you know, we, he may not even start though. You know, Walter Palmore has had a really strong uh, fall camp and spring, and he was listed, you know, ahead of Jordan Elliott on the on the initial death chart. So he may not even start. Um, but I think if he can improve his improve his consistency, he he will play most of the of the snaps. Right. Yeah. And him just not starting games at the beginning that doesn't mean, I mean, he'll be splitting time you know, next to Terry Beckner. Um, another thing just to mention about Terry Beckner is he plays a ridiculous percentage of the defensive snaps, even last year as a junior. So I wouldn't mind seeing him get to take a few more plays off this year. Um, hopefully Jordan Elliott can help in that regard. But uh, the the defensive tackle group is so deep that we're actually going to see a few defensive tackles on this next list of the defensive ends. Um, the main guys there returning are uh, Trey Williams and Chris Turner. Um, Both of those guys, I think, are in the mold of some of the great defensive ends that Missouri's had in the past. Um, 
they haven't shown anything yet necessarily. Um, there's been flashes here and there. Um, but those two guys, I think both being sophomores, they should be looking forward to growing in their role and really, um, coming into their own as pass rushers over the next two years. Yeah. I think by the time they leave Mizzou, um, they'll be up there with some of those guys, maybe Michael Sam caliber player, Coney Ely. I think some, they've got definitely the potential to be that good. I still think that they will struggle at times this year, maybe disappear, but we'll, we'll show really impressive flashes from time to time. Um, Chris Turner, he's just got another gear that some guys don't have. And, you know, Terry Williams is, you know, a super crazy athlete as well. So, um, the problem is I'm not, I'm a little nervous about depth behind him. Um, if they go hard for, you know, four or five plays, then are they going to lose steam? I don't know. So I, hopefully, uh, the depth shows up because I'm a little worried about that. Yeah. I mean, the, the people that are listed right now at the defensive end position behind those two are Nate Anderson, Caleb Sampson, and Akael Byers, who, um, Byers, I think he will, I feel like as the season progresses, he's going to take more snaps at tackle than end, but he's, he's on the, the depth chart as an end, I guess, just to provide a little bit more depth there. Yeah. I think he came in as an interior guy at first and then, I think he probably moved over to over to end to kind of help out with some of the depth and I think he can still move pretty well so I think that he can help him out there and Caleb Sampson transferred back home I think he wanted to be maybe a little closer to family I'm not really sure exactly what the deal was but I know that he transferred out and Nate Anderson I think is a guy that I think he's probably the the third best guy at the end on this team. I think he will be able to, to come in and provide some quality relief for those first two guys. Yep. Then uh, backing those guys up um, at the linebacker position, the the biggest name there is Cale Garrett. He's uh, going to be a junior this year. Started all three games last, all 13 games last year as a sophomore and uh, led the league and led the team in tackles with 105. And that was good for seventh in the sec. Another guy that's known as a run stopper, which is good. Um, it didn't show up at times last year, especially in the Missouri State game early in the season. This defense was getting gashed over and over again on the ground and kind of wondered, where's this great run-stopping linebacker we've been hearing about? So hopefully he can step that up and, and really improve on uh, what was ended up being a really good season last year. Yeah, Cale Garrett definitely showed flashes in a lot of improvement um, last year from his from his first year to his second year. He's kind of another one of those late guys we got in the recruiting cycle. I know Barry Odom, I think that was probably his first recruiting cycle when he got Cale Garrett, but I think that came in really, really late. He was committed to Navy, I think. But, um, yeah, I think he's just going to be, you know, kind of the staple of this defense and seems to have a really good understanding of what they want to do scheme-wise and um He's came up with some really big plays and, and, and key moments of the year last year. So I think that we can expect him to continue to be that kind of glue guy. The other guys that are going to be seeing most of the time at the linebacker position are Brandon Lee and Therese Hall. Um, Therese Hall is a guy coming into a senior year that I think has a, the biggest potential for a. It's weird to, for a senior to have a breakout season, but he hasn't been talked about as much as Kale Garrett, um, even though he's older. But. I think he has the potential to really raise the raise the floor of this defense, and just if if he can be consistent, um, we'll see a big improvement in the unit as a whole. 
Yeah, Therese is a guy that's really come out of his shell and, and has kind of taken on a leadership role, I think, in, in the defense for the defense this year. And Brandon Lee is kind of a you know crazy athlete, and I kind of wondered why he hasn't been a little more consistent in his time at Mizzou. I I think he was a pretty highly recruited guy, and I was excited when we got him. I still think he could have a really solid year this year, and he's made a lot of good plays in this time here. But you know, you mentioned our defense just getting absolutely gashed on the ground at times last year. Just, I mean, some of the worst run defense I've seen ever was, you know, came from this Mizzou defense in the last couple of seasons. So I don't know. I think they're going to tighten it up though. I, I think that those three guys have, have spent a lot of time together on the field and, and off the field and um, have probably developed some chemistry. And I think that they're going to be really a lot better this year. Yeah, we can only hope. Um, Last group of guys here, we've got two guys that are going to be primarily backups to um, the starters. Those two are Jamal Brooks and Aubrey Miller Jr. Um, Brooks, actually both of these guys saw most of their play last year in special teams, both sophomores, and they are going to have some time to sort of be groomed into future starters at linebacker by playing behind some of these seasoned seniors and, of course, Cale Garrett. Yeah, the the future of of the linebacker linebackers looks really strong with you know Jamal Brooks. He's coming back from an ACL, but I think that he's going to be able to play most of the year. Aubrey Miller Jr. is a guy that people are really excited about. Um, there's four freshman linebackers that are coming in this year, and I'm going to try to remember all of their names off the top of my head. But it's uh, Chad Bailey, kind of an inside guy, and he was probably the highest rated recruit we had of the entire year last year. Um, Cameron Wilkins. Nick Bolton and Gerald Nathan Jr. All four of those guys have been really, you know, they've done some really good things in fall camp. Barry Odom has specifically singled them out as guys who will play this year. So I think the linebackers, you know, position looks really, really bright going forward. Yeah. And then we got some more flexibility there as well with um, Tavon Ross and Ronnell Perkins. Um, they're guys that kind of can play all over the field. Um, I know Missouri is implementing more of that nickelback position. Um, started that, Barry Odom kind of brought that into the defense, and they're going to be doing that more and more. And those two guys, I'd say you, at any time, you could see either one of them lined up at linebacker safety or kind of that nickelback position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both guys that came in as safeties, I believe, and probably have played most of their time as a safety but Tavon Ross is kind of a special teams master I know he's he stood out a lot on special teams last year big hits yeah yeah big hits for sure and I think maybe even a couple blocked like extra points or Mm -hmm. something like that I don't know he he seems to be everywhere on special teams and and Perkins is like you said going to be a versatile defender for us in multiple positions probably yeah those guys being linebackers and safeties um, segues us into the safety position we're losing Anthony Sherrill's to graduation and then Caleb Pruitt to uh, dismissal from the team so those are two really big losses um Cheryl's graduating we knew that was going to happen but Pruitt getting dismissed kind of uh, kind of came out of nowhere as it usually those sort of things usually do for fans but um, that'll set us back a little bit um, Cam Hilton is going to have to step up he's he's been a guy we know he's athletic we know he has ball skills um he just has kind of bounced around from in and out of the starting lineup in his time at Mizzou. So he's, he's definitely going to have to be a guy that takes that as a challenge, steps up and locks down the free safety spot this year. 
Yeah, he's he's come up with some pretty big plays in his time as Mizzou at, at Mizzou. I know his freshman year he was a receiver and had some really nice catches. I remember one that st- stand out to me was like a diving catch against BYU and um, had a big interception. I believe his sophomore year against Georgia that he almost ran back and. Um, so, I mean, he's had some, some high moments for sure, but definitely his consistency is, is the biggest concern here. I mean, I don't know how many times we've seen in the past couple of years, it just seems like he's getting burnt or something, you know, doing something where we're just kind of shaking our heads. So um, I'm hoping that he can kind of tighten things up a little bit and, and be a big asset for us on the defense. Yeah, across from him, uh, Joshua Bledsoe, he's a sophomore that he worked his way into the lineup more and more as uh, last year went on. And I think, in my opinion, he's probably the most likely guy to, to lock down the starting strong safety spot. Jordan Ulmer's another guy, uh, a young guy, sophomore. He only played one game as a freshman. Um, I've seen where he'll back up Cam Hilton at safety. He's he, Like I said, he started a game last year, so he might be working into a starting job this year. Um, I don't really know what to th- make of that other starting safety spot. Do you have any ideas? Yeah, Jordan Ulmer was kind of interesting last year because he started the very first game of the year against Missouri State, uh, was kind of thrown into the fire. and right, then, as, a true, as a true freshman. As a true freshman. Things didn't go so hot. I don't know if maybe he kind of lost some confidence or maybe the coaching staff lost confidence in him. I don't know, but he really didn't play much as the year went on. I think he'll rebound this year, and I think he'll be you know, in some games and will contribute. But um, ultimately, I think that the two starters will probably at least start out the year, Josh Bledsoe and uh, Khalil Oliver. Um, Cam Hilton will be there plenty, um, but I think – those three guys will probably play most of the minutes at safety. And I think Tyree uh, Gillespie will be there a lot too. I think he's been, you know, said as the fastest player on the defense and he's a big guy too. So I know that the coaches love him. So you'll have to tell me a little bit more about Oliver. Cause I, I mean, I know we kind of got him late um, as a transfer, but I really don't know much about him. Yeah. He, yeah, he came in from Oregon and I don't really know a whole lot about his playing style to be completely honest, but I know that he just has experience in the position that the coaches love and kind of that, you know, just, you know, experience in in leadership and kind of just brings the mature attitude that maybe isn't there in some of the other guys. Right. Yeah. So I think that he's a lock to start, um, uh, but I guess I don't know that for sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean, and Josh Bledsoe may not even, I don't know, he, he might kind of go to that kind of nickelback position as well. So I don't know how much safety he'll he'll play, but I'm sure that'll probably be his primary spot. Yeah, there's some young guys here that you just hope can show improvement over the years. If, if safety, well, we'll get to the corners, but if safety is our weakest position on defense, then um, at least there's young guys in there that can contribute in years to come. Uh, so speaking of the corners, um, honestly, I think that they probably of any position group on the defense have the most potential to step up their game from last year because you're looking at Adam Sparks and uh, DeMarcus Acey as the returning starters, basically, for most of the season last year. Um, you can't ask for much more than that than returning your top two guys. Yeah, I love Adam Sparks. He seems like a um, really good kid and works hard and has a lot of potential. I know he's kind of small. He's a little short and uh, kind of pretty came in pretty skinny, but I know that he's you know beefed up a little bit. I think he's put on you know fifteen or twenty pounds since last year. Um, so it's just as far as playing the cornerback position, I think that he's 
probably the best cornerback we have, and he's pretty solid and, and reliable, and he gave us a lot of quality minutes last year. I think the defense really tightened up whenever he kind of started taking on a, a bigger role and had some really nice interceptions last year too. So I think he is a guy that we can really rely on going forward. And Demarcus Acey, um, he's a really physical corner. I know he's played some safety too. I think he is a super talented guy. I think he's got to keep his head in the game sometimes. I know he hurts us with he's hurt us with some dumb penalties in the past and maybe just being over aggressive. But um, I'd rather you know have to turn a down a guy down than than turn him up. So yeah. I, I think that you know he'll keep bringing those big hits and probably jumping some routes, maybe getting some interceptions. I, I think that yeah, both our cornerback spots are are pretty good at least you know our starters. Right and. Um Christian Holmes coming off a injury missed last year. Um, he was a guy that was looking at a starting position last year. So him coming back, hopefully he can be you know right back where he was before the injury, if, if not a little bit better, um, getting a, a year off to just practice and study the game. And then uh, Terry Petrie is a redshirt freshman that it seems like he's going to be a major contributor um, at the cornerback spot as well. Yeah, he was a, a big recruit coming out of high school, and I, yeah, I think that he's definitely in line to play a lot this year, as well as um, a true freshman, um, Jarvis Ware, I think will contribute a lot. I know that I've heard really good things about him in camp as well, and um, I think even Khalil Oliver was was quoted in an interview saying that the uh, wide receivers, it's rumored that they don't like him very much because uh, he uh, he'll challenge him and, and press him at the line, so um, I think that we've got a pretty good player in Jarvis Ware. So the actual last uh, position group, we won't really have much depth to talk about, but uh, we'll, we'll talk special teams for just a sec. We know we've got some really good returning players that were actually mentioned on some all-SEC teams for the preseason. So we've got Tucker McCann kicking field goals again and Corey Fatoni um, booting punts deep. Um, as far as returning, the, in the return game, we talked about Rashad Floyd. You know, he, he's going down with injury. Um, it'll... It'd be interesting to see who fills his spot. And um, I did read an article that said uh, Larry Roundtree might be in line for returning kicks still. So there's lots of options there. And um, the special teams looks looks pretty good, even with that injury. Yeah, it's going to be good to have uh, Tucker McCann coming back. I know maybe his two years ago, his freshman year, we saw how painful it was to not have a reliable kicking game. It like I mean, we would just go for it on like fourth down if we were, you know, even in field goal range sometimes so it was really awful to not have a reliable field goal kicker so mm -hmm. um, he was super solid last year and I looked to him looked for him to be solid again this year and Corey Fatoni we know exactly uh, what we're going to get with him he could probably play linebacker also but I think <laughs> we'll just keep him at punter for now yeah, he's probably one of the best uh, lifters on the team when it comes to arm exercises at least yeah he's just jacked <laughs> Do you know anybody else that could be in line for re returning uh, kickoffs? Um, I know it's been kind of a hot topic the past couple days. I think Larry Roundtree is probably going to be the primary kickoff returner. I don't know if I love that with him having such a primary role like on the offense, but you know I still think that you know g good special teams can really provide a nice jump start to the drive and so you know obviously i trust the coaches if they want to put them back there and think that's going to be worth having him back there I, I totally think that's that's worth doing but uh punts i think jonathan johnson is going to be the primary guy at least starting off the year and i think rashad floyd will probably work his way back into the rotation but 
Yeah, probably Tyler Beatty and, and Larry Roundtree will probably be my, my guess for kickoff return starting the year, maybe. Sounds good to me. So we've gone through the offense and defense. We've looked at every position group. Um, Kyle had an idea to rank each position group basically from uh, best to worst and uh, sort of see how our lists compare. Um, Kyle started off. Take us, what do you think is the, the best position group on the team? Well, if you rank it from top to bottom from, you know, our one through five or, you know, whatever it is, um, obviously Drew Locke is probably the most important player on this team and um, probably the best player on this team. But uh, ultimately, I decided to rank the running back position first uh, because Demaria Crockett and, and Roundtree, like we've said multiple times, it's just maybe the best one-two punch in the SEC, maybe the best one-two punch we've had at Mizzou for a really long time, and got some really impressive guys kind of in the depth. You know, all of those guys are capable. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an easy choice for number one. Um, I would challenge that the tight ends are right up there with them. Um, I don't know where, you, where you've got them ranked, but I think you can't go wrong ranking the running backs number one because those two guys... I mean, if they're the, the main attraction at running back or for an offense, they're getting 1,200 yards easy. So um, the way they can feed off of each other is exciting. Yeah, I, I can't disagree that the tight ends are, are a good number one. I've got them second. So um, obviously really talented at the top with Albert O and Kendall Blanton. And um, I'm going to just include Messiah Swanson, Swenson in there because I know that he was supposed to be in there this year. They're really solid from top to bottom too. Yeah, a lot of NFL-ready bodies right there. Mm-hmm. So third overall, I ranked quarterback. Um, you can't you can't sleep on Drew Lock too much. Can't can't have him slip down the the uh, list too much. Um, we've had a lot of unknowns behind him, but he's just too talented to uh, to rank them much lower than third. Yeah, the fact that we have a Heisman candidate, you know, record-breaking quarterback, and we're putting the quarterback group third just tells you about the overall depth of these of the running backs and the tight ends. Fourth, I ranked the defensive line. We kind of just decided to group the the whole D line together with you know the DNs and the, and the D tackles. Uh, this this interior group is probably the best it's been for several years, and I'm really excited to see how you know Terry Beckner and, and Jordan Elliott and Walter Palmore and even Rashad Brandon all all can play together. All four of those guys are just gonna play so much this year, and you know barring any injuries, so I'm. And, you know, the DNs, they've got some potential too. So I think they're a super strong group. Yeah, I, I went with the offensive line fourth um, behind the quarterbacks just because I feel like they're more of a known quantity. Even though the highs are higher with the defensive line, the offensive line it just kind of has that steady greatness that you want out of an offensive line. You don't want – when you're not hearing their names called, it's good because they're not doing anything. You know, they're not letting their quarterback get touched and they're – opening up holes for the running back. So I put the offensive line at fourth just because they're, we know more about them. If Jordan Elliott lives up to his potential, if the defensive ends can pull their weight on the line very easily, that could be switched with the defensive line coming out on top. But mm-hmm. I feel like those are kind of interchangeable at that point. Right. I, I'm definitely not going to argue with you on, on that. The O-line was super solid, and I expect them to be again this year. After the O-line, I ranked uh, the wide receivers. I believe that's sixth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wide receivers, they've got a lot of bodies and a lot of guys that you know have potential and, and could have breakout years. Um, you know, we've got a couple known quantities, but um, overall, you know, I think that's kind of an up-and-down group. So um, 
but we'll just kind of have to see where they're at this year. Yeah, they don't have that. You know, we've talked about it so much. They're going to miss that that alpha, that number one guy. Right. But hopefully, as a as a collective, they can kind of come together and each have their own strengths to, to really make it work. Mm-hmm. And uh, in seventh, I had the linebackers because at times they really struggled last year, as pretty much the whole defense did. But um, and but they've got a lot of guys returning, and I really like the future of that position. I think the younger guys are going to get a lot of run this year. So um, they might be one of the more exciting positions to watch this year just because there are so many guys that, that really could be great there. So, And definitely the, the three main returners are, are going to be really hopefully solid and, and fun to watch. Yeah, so that leaves the only position that we haven't talked about yet in this list here, the defensive backs, the secondary, safeties included. We just lumped them together. Um, I had them last on my list as well. I just, they have potential. We talk, we just talked about the cornerbacks and what they can potentially do this year. The safeties, there's a lot of question marks, a lot of inconsistency. So it's, I feel like there's actually a little bit of a gap there between the linebackers and the, the defensive secondary. Yeah, it shouldn't be a surprise really to anybody that we're ranking the, the DBs and the safeties last. Um, they just seem to struggle for most of the year last year. I know a couple of the cornerbacks, you know, seem to get it together a little bit for, for the, but for the most part, they just never really seem to be on the same page or consistent at any point last year. So uh, I think if if we want to see this Mizzou team, you know, really break out and have a have a superior season this year, the secondary has to be better and a lot better. Right. Um, I think you know, this this team is, is so stacked. We've seen it so many times with all of these these lists that all these guys are on. You know, so much returning talent, so much returning productivity. Uh, we've got a Heisman candidate quarterback. We have so much talent and experience that's returning that seems to be lining up. You know, the stars are kind of aligning, and we're kind of getting slept on a little bit by the national media. It just kind of feels like one of those years that everything kind of added up at the right time but the biggest question mark holding all of that back is i think is the sec- is the secondary right if you it, everything you just said reminded me of 2013 and unfortunately when you think about 2013 um, ej Gaines was one of the very best players on that team went on to the nfl if you throw an ej Gaines onto this team even a uh, arian penton uh, from teams more recently that would just catapult my expectations for this team and the fact that i mean we we've talked about how we could see somebody step up into that spot but um until we see it you just can't rely on that and that that could be the one thing that holds the team back if if there's going to be anything that does i think maybe the one big thing that makes me think that this defensive group could be better this year is actually something that the offense is doing and and not going at light speed. Uh, I think last year, because of this light speed things, you know, drives that we had, we'd be in and out, three and out in like 30 seconds. And so the defense is out there for this really long drive and they have to be back out there literally like a minute later. And I think they're just tired all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, they were just had to be back out there on such a quick notice and 
I think that the offense, hopefully going slower this year, is going to give those defensive guys more time to to uh, gather themselves and, and catch their breath on the sideline, and I think that could make a really big difference. Right, yeah. A, a three and out this coming season will feel like a touchdown drive last year to these <laughs> defensive players when they're watching. But I think when you look at all these position groups, you can kind of break it down into three groups. You have your the quantity, the known quantities that are elite which are the running backs the tight ends and the quarterbacks those are going to be at the top of the list then you've got kind of opposites with the defensive and offensive line where the defensive line has a lot of up and down the offensive line is very consistent those those in the middle whether you want to put one on top of the other and then wide receivers linebackers and defensive backs it's a lot of question marks Mm -hmm. so you can kind of separate the team out that way and into those three three groups so you can see the positions that have the most room for improvement and honestly what we're expecting, the positions that we're expecting the most from. Well, that's all I have for this week for us, Kyle. Um, we'll be right back here next week with another uh, breakdown. This time we're going to be looking at the schedule. Um, we're going to go game by game for the Missouri schedule, picking each game. We're also going to pick um, the SEC records for all the teams, who we think is going to be representing in the SEC championship game and uh, who's going to take home the title. So super excited for that and uh, enjoying this weekly schedule so far. Yep, we are slowly inching forward to the start of football season. I know some games are starting, you know, like less than two weeks from now. So I'm super excited just to uh, lay around and watch football all day long. So you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes as well as Google Play. You can find us on Twitter at Mizzou Sports One. And you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. And if you want to shoot me a tweet, um, I'm at C underscore Albert 08 on Twitter and um, let us know what you think about any of these players, um, any question marks you think for this coming up season. And uh, thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next week.